friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Now, folks, look, if you'd love to actually come and join uh, join us, we'd love to have you uh, share a, maybe a positive thought, maybe uh, a comment on one of the issues that we're discussing, or if you'd simply like to say uh, hello, uh, how's it going, how's it going in Adelaide, uh, then you can do that by texting us. Now, our studio text m- number, it comes directly to my desk here, uh, 04888- 80811. That number again is 04888-80811. Program it into your phone. List it under drive time. Then you can send us a regular text. We'd love to be able to hear from you. Now look, this uh, week we are looking at the theme of radical teachings in the parables of Christ. You know, the more I look at this particular subject, the more I look at the parables of Christ, uh, the more uh, <laughs> radical uh, his teachings really are. Uh, today, uh, we're looking at a parable that I've entitled A Parable to Professional Clergy. Now, this is dangerous because, of course, I'm a professional clergy and uh, some of our listeners I know are professional clergy. They listen to our program in the car as they're driving around. Uh, but it's more commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Does it have anything to do? It's a simple parable, but does it have anything at all uh, to teach us uh, today? Uh, it's a powerful, it's a powerful, powerful uh, program. Now today, of course, our co-host is uh, Eric Hoare. Now Eric is a um, uh, is a printer uh, by by trade way back. Uh, he worked as a literature evangelist uh, most of his life, and currently he's ministering to the Adelaide Aboriginal uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church. And it is fantastic uh, to have him uh, with us once again. Welcome to you, Eric. Well, thank you, Pastor Gary, and hello to the listeners. It's good to be back on on the air again. And hey, Gary, I noticed that uh, a week, couple of weeks ago, you had a bump in your bumper bar on the front of the car. <laughs> you would tell noticed, people about this. <laughs> and I noticed the, today you've got a bump in the back bumper. Am I seeing things? Ah, uh, no, it's been a, <laughs> uh, the last couple of weeks haven't been very kind to me. I have to admit, you know, I was, uh, uh about uh, a month ago, I was, I was rear-ended on a dark, rainy, rainy night, and I really felt for the, for the poor lady that did run up, uh, my rear. And, uh, and then just a week ago, coming back, Back from a from a Bible study on our Monday night Bible study at my my church, uh, yeah, I I have to admit that I managed to rear end somebody myself. So and no, I wasn't watching my mobile phone. Uh, that's the first question everybody asked. My mobile phone was well and truly uh, away away from me. So. Yeah, it's upsetting when you you know have an accident. You know, it's it is it, it is, and and I have to admit I'm I'm being very very cautious and in the last uh, the last little little while. Um, but Eric, look, let's come back, come back to you. Uh, look, now look, for a good portion of your life, you've been in a, a thing that we've called the literature ministry. Now look, what is the literature ministry and 
I mean, what literature did you share? Well, literature ministry uh, called me, uh, I was in it for 32 years of, wow. uh, of my life, and um, <clears throat> literature ministry was yeah, going door to door with Christian books and health books and Bibles and things, and my main objective when I, I joined the ministry was to make friends out of strangers, that was my philosophy. Yeah. So when I went to a door, didn't know who was behind the door, and uh, just to sit, to go into a home and sit and chat with them was uh, something that thrilled me. And um, over the years, I've made some really, really good friends out there. Mm-hmm. And although I was selling stuff, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as a way of helping people in their lives, both spiritually and health wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that ministry, uh, it's a wonderful ministry to to make contacts with people because um, Alan White actually says that the book should be accompanied by a, minist- a ministry. Mm-hmm. It's one of the one of our lady writers. So um, when you've got a book and you're giving it away or selling it or you've got a, a CD or whatever, uh, a DVD, if you've got somebody um, sharing that, then you can share your own personal uh, testimony and what yeah. the book and yeah. that has done with you. Yeah. And so I knew that what the books could do for them. So to me, I wasn't a salesperson. I mm. was just um, uh, somebody that was uh, a friend to them. That's the way I always looked mm. at the ministry. Yeah. And uh, through that, I had some wonderful experiences. I brought up, you know, four children. Um, we don't get paid. We get paid through commission through the books. We don't yeah. get a salary. Yeah. Uh, and so, but they, those years, I believe, were the closest I've ever been to God and depending on Him to lead you. And it's interesting you actually say that, you know, Eric, because uh, I know that, you know, I've pastored quite a number of churches now. And in every single church where there has been a person who's been involved in literature ministry, there has been a spirit of, uh, of sacrifice. There's been a spirit of, uh, out that that looks outward uh, from from the church. Uh, to me, uh, I have so much respect for those who've actually been involved in in literature ministry because not only of the way that they're actually able to help people because I know they've helped so many people on the on the door, but also because of the way they impact uh, the local church. You know, I mean, I every time you know our, our literature ministers come back to to my church and they start to share a story of the way the Lord has blessed in their life, the way the Lord blessed them last week. You can just see the whole congregation uh, raising up and uh, uh, and being abundantly blessed by by their ministry. And to, to me, a church is actually a lot poorer if, in fact, they don't have somebody involved in this particular ministry. But look, I just just wonder, um, have you have you had any life-changing experiences that you'd be able to change and share? Yeah, sure. I I know that um, through the ministry there's been quite a few baptisms, and uh, that's always been a thrill. Um, but that wasn't solely um, uh, all the highlights of the work. The main highlights of the work for me uh, in sharing experiences was the way the Lord led each and every day through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because um, to me, I can still remember the first days I started and feeling um, feeling excited and nervous at the same time, but mm. knowing that um, God was there leading me and guiding me. And then, and then I couldn't understand why people were actually buying the books I was selling. Mm. I had a little canvas and then they, they, and right from day one, I was very blessed. People just started purchasing them and, and uh, then I started, and then I saw why. It's because people all over the world have the same needs 
and yeah. same searching. Yeah. And you'll find that in Australia, New Zealand, wherever you are. And I've worked in Australia and New Zealand and America. I've been mm-hmm. working there with some allies there. And it's the same needs and uh, the human needs they have. And so I had a lot of blessings. I remember one Samoan man in New Zealand where I came in and uh, there was about six children there. And I came in and saw him and uh, I remember... Uh, kneeling down and praying with all the children. He called all the children in and we're all there in a, in a big group. I only just met them, uh, just been there about half an hour mm-hmm. and we had a wonderful prayer together. And then I said, look, um, we're running a seminar in Christchurch here, Pastor Pooney, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, would you like to go? And he said, yes. And so he, he started going. And then I found out some months later that he, his wife, and uh, some of the children have been baptized. Wow. Just through a visit, just through a knock at the door, mm. uh, and showing and talking about biblical things. So there's been many wonderful experiences I've had. I've also met witches on the door and, uh, and people into satanic things as well. Um, which when you, when you're in there and you see that, that they admit that there's a power they're following, it kind of brings to you, uh, what the Bible is talking about yeah. in the world and, and the hurt that's out there. Many people let me in, I think, just because they were lonely yeah. and wanted someone to talk to. Yeah. And they shared with me, they will share with a literature evangelist things that they may not even tell their children. Yeah. Because they may not see me again, yeah. but they would share that. And that to me was a privilege to mm. hear them and pray for them. And yeah. the power of prayer is the most important thing. That's a you powerful know? ministry that you're talking about here mm. because this one-on-one, I'm just so conscious. I mean, we actually have uh, people, and I, I just shared with somebody just this morning, they actually wrote uh, wrote in to us asking for prayer because, of, of course, we do run a, a prayer mm. ministry. And uh, uh, on our on our prayer uh, prayer number, they've actually asked uh, uh, for for prayer. This morning we had a small prayer group. We prayed for uh, that particular uh, individual. And uh, uh, I'm conscious of the, the issues that were going on in, in that person's life. You know, and there are so many people who have got uh, major issues, which they are, you know, family issues. Sometimes it's financial issues. Uh, sometimes it's medical and health issues. Uh, you know, sometimes it's relationships. You know, you get all of these. And to have somebody else actually pray for you, I found is an incredibly powerful thing. And I know that, you know, I certainly spent some time myself uh, in in literature ministry uh, selling from from door to door and uh, that was an incredible blessing to me because I know that uh, every day if there weren't two or three people uh, that I could couldn't pray with uh, I, I would be surprised and you don't know what um, what that prayer does for somebody I know my daughter Suzanne when she was in Port Augusta told me the story where she was working down the street and she came across a young man who was pretty down on his luck and uh, was in the wrong lifestyle and Suzanne talked with him for a while and had a, a wonderful prayer with him well the next day she was walking down the same street and this guy was out with his mates and they were all drunk this guy was drunk this time and his friends started to uh, make fun of Suzanne walking down the street and, and this guy who Suzanne had prayed with said no no come on guys stop it this is the lady that prayed with me yesterday she actually took the time and had a wonderful prayer with me and even mm. his drunken state he still remembered that prayer yeah, yeah. so you don't know what difference you can make in a person's life to bring them to Christ mm. through prayer yeah no that's yeah. that's incredibly powerful look just one question I, I must ask you look in many ways we're starting to live in what I'd call a, a post book generation you know, have, have
have you noticed, I suppose, a decline in the demand for the written word? Yeah, well, earlier on, I think we did when things started change, but there's been a bit of a comeback. The bookshops are actually saying now that uh, you know they're they're doing okay. I think there was a bit of a worry when uh, it sort of went on the tablet and you could read off the media that sort of thing. But now I hear that the the bookshops are doing very well now. I think there's been a turning back to actually going to bed with a book yep. or taking it down to the park. Yes, that relaxing time is is what's needed now in a busy world. You know? I, 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 I'm really interested. That you actually say, you know, that relaxing time is because I want to bring us to our what we call our World Watch uh, segment uh, because uh, that actually does bring up an issue that uh, certainly I was uh, uh, I came across uh, uh, when I was looking uh, through a number of sites that I do uh, I do follow and uh, this particular article was uh, entitled "Young Adults Who Read." Um, the Bible regularly are far less stressed a new report finds. Now, this uh, report comes from the American Bible Society, uh, and it refers to a, a study which they've just done. And uh, I'd love to get your feedback on this. Uh, this is what the uh, what the report uh, was about. American young adults in their late teens and early 20s report having the most stress of any age demographic. Yet those who regularly read the Bible and apply it to their lives are far less stressed than those who don't, according to the new research. The findings, part of the American Bible Society's State of the Bible Report for 2022, found that Generation Z, that's those born between 1997 and uh, 2012, face higher levels of stress than older generations. Researchers used a set of 10 questions that involved such stress-related feelings as sleeplessness, loneliness and a sense of hopelessness uh, to, uh, uh, to define their, their level of stress. People who read the Bible regularly, and then came this bit, and apply it to their lives report fewer symptoms of stress anxiety or depression, the report said. This is true throughout the survey data and especially amongst uh, Gen Z women. We do not want to imply, the uh, Bible Society said, that the Bible will instantly cure a person's mental health issues and make them thrive in every aspect of their existence. The report uh, continued, Scripture engagement is a way of life in which people meet with God regularly and recast their thoughts and activities in response to God's guidance. According to our data, this ongoing interaction is associated with mental health and human flourishing. Now, now, Eric, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, that is saying something actually quite profound because you're saying that reading is starting to come back again. Um, this uh, report is starting to say those that actually spend the time reading the Bible um, seem to have a mental flourishing that's better than those who, those who don't. Now, you know, how have you found the Bible in your life? I mean, the Bible is probably the book that we would recommend above all others. How have you found it? Well, this article, Pastor Gary, really is really wonderful isn't it, to tell yeah. us that uh, young people reading the Bible have less stress. They find they can cope more in life, and that's what the Bible is all about. I found when I started to read it, I couldn't help but feel the love of God coming through those words to me, and uh, and that changed my life to see what somebody else did for me, yeah. and the way he handled uh, only a God could talk through that Bible with such wisdom, yeah. uh, not only with the prophecies, 
but also with uh, everyday uh, uh, problems, if you like, yeah. that were brought to him. And God just speaks in a way that always brought out the truth and always brought out the right thing to do. Mm. And I think that's the, the that's what's missing in today's world is the moral guideline that brings peace. Because mm. whatever is said in the Bible, we talk about laws, we hate laws, but the Bible, the Ten Commandment laws are actually for our own good. And, and I think that for young people to read the Bible uh, is absolutely wonderful. I know my children uh, read the Bible and have their children read, and they've got Bible stories. And it makes a difference. It brings brings you together closer. Mm. But I think also it gives you a, a purpose in your life because uh, it's different to what's out there. Uh, there's such a movement towards Harry Potter and all those things, and we've got Halloween coming up soon mm. and all those things, mm. where this is something that's pure and right mm. and can only but take your stress away. And and for me, I loved reading what we're talking about tonight. The parables made a big difference in my life. The gospel certainly did, but also mm. creation and understanding God's love for us from creating us from the ground. Where you came from, and where, where you're going, going yes. and uh, help for daily living. You know, to me, as I look at it, you know, there are yep. some portions of the Bible I actually I go to at certain seasons of my life. You know, there are times when I turn around and say, hey, you know, I to come to the Psalms of David, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, under under stress. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Bible prophecy is great, but, you know, I have to be, I find I have to be in the right frame of mind before I dig into, mm-hmm. uh, into Bible prophecy. You know, the teachings of Christ, you know, I, there's just so much wisdom tied yes. up. And now even today, I mean, we're going to be looking, we're, we'll come to it right uh, in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at a very simple story. There's nothing complex about this. Mm-hmm. And yet the, uh, the, all that it has to share is just so powerful. It's life changing changing mm. if you actually bother to take it on board but of course uh, many today you know the bible is actually old hat you don't you don't read it uh, and yet uh, it's got uh, a support there that I would suggest nothing else does. Mm. And I think if any of the listeners um, wanted to, there's a a really good um, Bible study guide, the Bible says, which is about 30 or 32 lessons that actually go through different topics, lining up the text of the Bible. And I think if anybody, you know, would like to do those lessons, they can be sent out to them or dropped off, but they are wonderful lessons because it gives you the theme of the Bible and it brings out um, the, the questions that we have are answered Yes. through those studies, and yeah. that's the key to study yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Eric. Guys, let's, let's come to some music. This is Daryl Sawyer. Uh, love this particular rendition, A Christian. Uh, please enjoy uh, Daryl Sawyer. Could I be called a Christian If everybody knew My secret thoughts and feelings And everything I do Could they see the likeness of Christ in me each day? Could they hear his gentle voice in every word I say? Could I be called a Christian if everyone would know the places that I go to? Jesus tell them so Could they hear his echo In every song I sing In my life is Jesus being seen In everything I want to be a Christian To live for Christ each day 
isn't quite enough When trouble comes my way Two roads are before me But only one will do Jesus walked the narrow words uh, they they really are how much they do relate uh, to us today now folks look we do have a giveaway book uh, for you today and uh, our book today is entitled kindness living this is a real ripper by uh, jeff weir uh, kindness living this is one of the um, best church growth tools that's actually out there today. Now, look, if you're going along to church and uh, you've wondered, look, how is it possible uh, for my church to uh, church to grow, then uh, this book is being presented as an incredible church growth tool. Uh, it's compact enough to fit into your pocket, uh, yet it encourages its readers to have a kindness plan to touch the lives of those around them. You know, this is a really, a really beautiful book. There's nothing complex about it. It's a simple book. Uh, it teaches people uh, how uh, I can see my church grow and develop, how disciples uh, can indeed be be created. The book's entitled Kindness Living. Uh, you'll love this particular book. Now, look, if you'd like your own uh, own copy, then please just text us uh, here at our studio text number. Our number's 488 808 11 
11. And the code that you need to use is SA68, SA68. Uh, no gap between the SA and the 68. Um, just uh, put that uh, into your text that you send to 04888880811 and just put SA68. That's all you need to do. And then our robot, he'll uh, contact you. Uh, he'll ask you a few personal, uh, a few qu- uh, questions, uh, your uh, your name and your address so that we can get the book to you. And uh, then after uh, after that, uh, we will get it to you in the uh, fastest uh, way possible. Kindness Living, uh, a book uh, that's talking about uh, how... Uh, I can grow uh, my church through kindness. Uh, beautiful, beautiful theme by Jeff Weir. Now, look, also, if you've got any comment, comments or questions that you'd like to make during our program, you can use that same number, 04888 uh, to come straight through to our desk here in uh, in Adelaide. Uh, we'd love to acknowledge any thoughts that uh, you uh, that you do do actually have. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and currently uh, Eric uh, pastors to the Adelaide Indigenous uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church, and he's gra- a greatly um, appreciated uh, pastor at that uh, at that church. Uh, and this week we're looking at the theme: radical teachings. In the parables of Christ. Today we're looking at probably one of the simplest parables. It's a parable that everybody knows. Uh, a parable to, I call it the parable to professional clergy, but it's more commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But look, I, I, I just thought we might uh, start by reading this particular uh, parable. There might be some who haven't heard it before. There are some who might be need to be reminded of it. Uh, so what, what is this story? It's actually found in Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse uh, verse twenty five, and uh, this is how the uh, the story goes in the in the Bible. And behold, there was a certain lawyer that stood up and tested him, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And he said to him, "What is written in the law? What is your reading of it?" So he answered and said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, You've answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves. He stripped him of his clothing, wounded him. They departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he looked at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out a two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these, said Jesus, do you think was neighbor to him who fell amongst thieves? And he said, I suppose, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, 
go and do likewise. You know, Eric, it's probably one of the, the most simple of all of Christ's parables. And yet there's a depth to it that we over, overlook. Just take us through it. What really is it saying to the, you know, to us who live in the early decades of this, uh, of this millennium? I think we can miss the main point of this parable, Pastor Gary, and even though I've read this time and time again, <clears throat> really there's something that you always take out of a parable, something yeah. you never saw or something that somebody brings out. And the very first thing I would say is this is a very important parable, even though we, we know it so well, and that is because the question the lawyer asked first was, how can I have eternal life? Mm. So this is telling us, this parable is telling us to not just to the lawyer but to you and I about eternal life, how to actually uh, move towards that line of it. So um, to me, you know, a good Samaritan, I heard it mentioned the other day on the radio when somebody was um, hurt and a stranger came along and helped them, I heard them say, ah, oh, there's a good Samaritan. It's, it's proverbial in our day and age, isn't yeah. it? And it's come from the Bible. It's come from the Bible. Yeah, as many good phrases do, you know, and today you can um, actually find there's a law, a Samaritan law in one country, there's hospitals called the Good Samaritan, there's paintings, literature, movies and stories all inspired by the Good Samaritan. But we start off with this lawyer that gets up and the lawyer is well versed and familiar with the law of Moses and as part of an audience listening to Christ, this lawyer stands up to talk to Jesus. Now this in those days was an attitude of uh, the student standing up uh, and the uh, teacher in front of him. So this is the way the, the lawyer was given respect mm. to to Jesus in front of him. And uh, Christ knew this man and uh, was not surprising that Christ answered, answered the lawyer's question with a question and the question of Christ has something to do with the law. And uh, the lawyer's response was understandably a quotation from Scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered rightly to do this, do this and you'll live. Now it's interesting to me that Christ moved to talk about the law, something from the law, in answer to eternal life. Uh, and this lawyer, as he was speaking, has said it absolutely the right thing. He is saying here that we, we love a God with our, all our heart and soul uh, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and Christ says back to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanted more, more information. I don't think that this lawyer was happy with the teachings that he had been getting through the Sanhedrin and through the Pharisees of the day because he took it a step further and then he said, well, you know, uh, who is my neighbor? And that to me is significant because being a Jew, being in the, um, uh, being a lawyer and, and versed in scripture and being a Jew, he thought he would recognize himself as already been in the kingdom. Mm. He thought himself mm. there. Indeed, exactly. So why would he ask this question? Well, who, is, is there something niggling him here? Is there yeah. something that doesn't sit right that he's heard? And I think he saw in the master in front of him the one that could give him the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why he actually went over. And so Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. 
And, uh, you know, this, uh, this road, this, uh, road from Jerusalem to Jericho was actually a real road, real road there. It's, uh, many of the rich priestly families lived in Jericho and the distance between Jerusalem and Jericho was about 17 miles. Mm-hmm. That's about the distance. And during Christ's time, it earned a reputation. It was a very dangerous path to take because it was riddled with many robbers. In fact, it was called the way of the blood. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. And because of the countless blood often shed by robbers, it's a winding and meandering road, and even Martha Luton King went to it and described it as a place you wouldn't want to travel on your own. Yeah. So this is a, a place, and Christ then tells a story of the characters in the story. Now you notice that there's five different characters in the story. There's the miserable man who got beaten up. There's the terrible thieves. You've got the passing priest, uh, the looking Levite who worked in the temple. He was the next one down from the priest. And by the way, the priest did not earn his position to be a priest. He was born into that yes. through the yes. family. That's yes. significant to understand. Yes. And then you've got the sympathetic Samaritan. And this Samaritan was hated by the Jews. Samaritans are hated by the Jews back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they actually, at one time, the um, Samaritans, uh, they lived in the northern kingdom of Israel but they were banished from their homeland. And when the Assyrians captured Israel, they exiled most of the Israelites to the land of Assyria, but not all Israelites were removed. Some of them remained, and the Assyrians replaced the Israelites with foreigners, namely the Cuthites, to live in Israel. And as a result, they married and intermarried with foreigners and started to worship idols. And this is yeah, where the Samaritan yeah. group came from yeah. and the difference. They thought, they still today, they think they're right. Yes. And the Jews think they're right. So there was a bad blood between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that issue of being ba- of bad blood, which is so important that we pick up on. I mean, yes. because when Christ selects the people who he's going to, to use uh, to illustrate uh, this story, you know, they are really at opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they? That's right. Oh, definitely. And um, this is what the parable is mainly about. Who is thy neighbour, he's asked. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful in, as we go through this parable that the way that we can become and think like the ones who don't help in this story, we can become so much that way to isolate ourselves from what's happening around us. Um, Christ had answered, uh, you know, do this and you will live. When the lawyer came back and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now you notice here how loving your neighbor is always related to loving God. Mm, mm. You can't separate the two. It only shows that you can't love God without actually loving your neighbor. Yeah, That's an interesting concept because it says, how can I forgive you if you don't forgive others? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it, you know, it's made clear in, by the Apostle John. First John four twenty to 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Yeah. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God mm. whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from that he who loves God must love his brother also. So loving God and loving your neighbor has to be hand in hand. Mm. There's no separation. So when we're born again and get a changed heart, our view of the world is different. Yeah, the yeah. view of the people around us is different, and a lot of that hatred disappears. And even the, I suppose, I mean, when you look at the Samaritan, the Samaritan is a different nationality. 
Suddenly mm. the walls of division between nationalities start to break down. The Samaritan is probably a person that would not have been regarded highly, mm. certainly wouldn't have been as well educated as certainly the priest was, you know, but suddenly the, the barriers, you know, Christ is teaching here are starting to break down. They're starting to fall down. There is a, there is a bond that, that starts to form. And this parable is a real shock to those listening. Yeah. Because the hero in the story isn't the hero they thought it should have been or or should have been, but they didn't see that. You know, this phrase, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, is interesting because as yourself means that you should love yourself. And the thinking of some people is that to truly love others, you must love yourself first. But nothing can be further than the truth. Self-love is not a concept you would read in the Bible, especially in the parable of the Good Samaritan. See, love from God's, you know, the way he looks at it, is an outgoing concern for others. That's completely different to what self-interest is. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with building up our confidence and having self-esteem and taking care of ourselves and knowing that we're important, that's fine. Having self-esteem is so important. All these things are good and should be encouraged. But you know, Eric, if I can pick up on that point mm. there, because I think that's really important. You know, to me, when I read the scriptures, what I find is that my self-esteem actually comes from the way that God does actually regard me. You know, when I think of uh, uh, First John, you know, um, our beloved, uh, now we're the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. Does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he does appear we will be like him for we shall see him as he is if you talk to Peter uh, you find that what Peter says uh, is we are kings and priests heirs and ambassadors do you know when I look at that that gives me incredible status you know that gives my list our listeners incredible status it says it's saying to them oh, my friend you are a son you're a daughter of the most high God uh, you are a, a king a priest an heir an ambassador uh, of the king of the universe and you know when I think of that, I sit, turn around and I say, hey, uh, this is something that uh, without a doubt has to Im- give me incredible status. And therefore, because I've been given this status, I'm actually uh, called by God to do as the Good Samaritan did and actually to lift people up. You know, it's so often, it's so easy to say, you know, I've got to have a good self-esteem and it's something like uh, actually trying to uh, pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, mm. I pull, mm. if I pull hard enough, I'll get off the ground. Well, mm. sorry, can't be done. It, mm. it doesn't work that way. No. This God, this love is from God. It, it's, it's, it makes us feel special. It doesn't put us above everybody else, anybody else. We're all equal in God's sight. But it does give us that love for ourselves that we want to share with others. But where the problem comes in is if you seek to love yourselves first before you love others, it can only lead to one thing, and that's selfishness because we're, we're centering the eyes on us first. So the love comes from God. We need changing. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And when that changes, hey, look, we see things, and we do things differently. We actually uh, do that, you know. Um, so to truly God, love God means that you also not only to take care of yourself because God has given you life and a body that you should not abuse, but not only that, you can effectively love others. 
Isn't that wonderful? Oh, that's fair. Look, let's just stop at that point there because that is a fantastic point to bounce off to our uh, to our music. Our, this is uh, Tammy Larson, uh, the hand of the Lord. And, of course, that's what we've been called uh, to be by God himself. And this that's what this parable speaks to us about. So, folks, please enjoy Tammy Larson, the hand of the Lord. Uh, please enjoy.
is Tammy Larson, and uh, she's singing the hand of the Lord, and that's exactly what the Samaritan uh, Samaritan was. Uh, folks, we do have that uh, giveaway uh, giveaway book. That giveaway book again is entitled "Kindness Living." It's one of the best uh, church growth tools today. Uh, imagine every single church just flooding, being flooded with kindness. Kindness Living. You'll love this particular book by Jeff Weir. And uh, folks, if you'd like your free copy of Kindness Living, uh, everything that the uh, uh, that the uh, parable of the, the Good Samaritan taught us uh, is uh, is wrapped up in in this particular uh, book. Now, look, guys, if you'd like this uh, book, then please uh, text us at 04888-80811, 04888-80811. And that code, again, is SA68, SA68. Uh, and uh, if you've got any comments or uh, questions, please feel free to send them through to us. And we want to say a really big shout-out, if we can, to one of our listeners who actually sent us in a really fantastic comment uh, about uh, our earlier discussion uh, where we were talking about uh, the power of the Bible on the mind. And uh, this listener is just one of our local people here, uh, here in here in Adelaide, uh, made this comment. Uh, Great to hear the positive results on the mind when the Bible is read regularly. And then she added, added this, I'm trying to memorize a number of texts to recall whenever I don't have a Bible handy. So many beautiful, uplifting promises. What a fantastic uh, statement that is! You know, uh, to me, if you want to be uh, uplifted, uh, I would I would recommend that you certainly certainly do what uh, what is actually recommended there to to remember uh, the Word of God, to commit it to memory, and then texts come flooding back at just the time you need it. Thank you so much uh, for that comment. It is really uh, greatly uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, now, folks, if you would like to make a comment, please feel free to do so. No problem at all. Uh, that number again, 04888 uh, We'd love to share your comment uh, on uh, on air. Now, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Aber... The Adelaide Indigenous uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, And uh, it's fantastic to have him in here uh, week by week uh, This week we're looking at the theme Radical Teachings in the Parables of Christ And today we're looking at a parable That is directed at professional clergy Now uh, that worries me just a little bit Because of course the bad guys in this parable Are the professional clergy Eric, I don't like uh, this uh, particular parable <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to get worse, Gary. Oh, dear We're going to delve into this a bit. So um, if you look at the three that saw the dying man, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, you would think that the priest or the Levite would be the one to help, but it's not. It's the Samaritan, the least that anybody would expect to take a course of action. So what does this tell us? It tells us that even if we're holding a religious position, it doesn't automatically make you righteous. Even if you're a minister, a pastor, a priest, or a leader in your church, it doesn't mean anything unless you love other people, unless you've been changed. In the parable, the three people saw the dying man, but it was only the Samaritan who took action in doing the right and only correct thing. In life, it's not who you are that defines you, 
It is what you do. You can be the president of your country. You can be a pastor in your church and you can be a leader in your group. But without true love, you're actually nothing. And one of the reasons that the priest, perhaps, that the priest and the Levite didn't help the man was because of the purity law. The priest and the Levite didn't want to be defiled by a corpse or by blood. And they didn't want the inconvenience of purifying themselves afterwards. Listen to what Christ says. Very important when we look at law and how to apply it. It's found in Matthew twenty three twenty three. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! If you pay tithe of mint and aniseed and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Did you get that, Pastor Gary? It's saying here that we don't live just by the letter of the law, Mm. that we actually have mercy, justice, and grace. And we can be so... I mean, as a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, do we then um, close off groups because of what they're doing that we don't agree with and say, no, I don't want to defile myself and go and help somebody over there that's drunk or whatever? Do we do that? This is telling us that... um, and we're talking about eternal life here. This is an outward show that you are one with God by your actions. And even in the Old Testament, you know, this same teaching is there because uh, uh, while, you know, so often people think of the Old Testament as uh, being based on, on law, you know, if I read you know, Micah, one of the minor prophets, uh, six, uh, six eight, what does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justly, to love mm. mercy and to walk humbly with your God? To me, it's the sole summation of the law. Christ is bringing the whole thing together and he's saying, hey, if you do this, you're actually going to be fulfilled filling all that's required in the uh, in the Old Testament law. That's right. And, you know, so we, we all need to understand, don't let man-made laws or traditions get in the way of loving your neighbor. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. So the lawyer asked two questions. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And who is my neighbor? But what he should have read have been asking was... How can I live a life pleasing to God? Instead of asking, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He should have said, how can I live a life pleasing to God? Instead of asking, who is my neighbor? It should be, how can I be neighbors to others? And, you know, notice the question Christ asks after giving the parable in Luke ten thirty six. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell amongst the thieves? Christ wasn't addressing the question, who is my neighbor? But rather, he was trying to teach the lawyer that we become a neighbor when we have love, mercy and compassion for others. Mm. That's when we become the uh, the neighbor. It, it's not so much as who is my neighbor. We become right with God when we become a neighbor and we see that neighbor with love, mercy, and grace. It's interesting to me that the characters in the story, the six compassionate actions of the Samaritan, number one, he went to him. Number two, he bandaged his wounds. This might have involved ripping off some of his own clothes to make bandages. Number three, he poured oil and wine on the man's wound. Oil soothed the wounds while wine disaffected it. He put the man on his own donkey, which probably meant the Samaritan had to walk. He took him to an inn. He didn't dump him and run. He took care of him and provided enough money for the man to stay several several times. That's six compassionate actions of Samaritans. And so I see that there are five requirements for serving others. One is consciousness. It's actually seeing a need. Yeah. That God actually took the Samaritan over. He looked 
any help. It's actually very easy for us to, you know, wander around uh, almost uh, oblivious yes. to everything that's going on around us, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it's, we live in such a protected place, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. don't understand what's going on. But to actually see the need in yep. a dying world is so important. Yeah. And only love of God, I think, can give us that. Yes, yes. But we need to be focused on that, not, into, not looking into the church. I think we need to be looking outside the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, compassion. So these are five requirements. And three, we need to make contact. You know, mm-hmm. the other two looked, one looked, one walked on the other side, but they both moved on. Yeah. Four was the care, what, what he did. And five, it cost him. It cost the Good Samaritan to help him. He gave him his money and his clothes and his transport. Mm-hmm. How wonderful is that? So what did the Samaritan take, uh, take care of? He took care of the physical need, the safety need, the clothing need, the transport need, and the shelter need, and the financial need. So the characteristics of compassion are these. The legs of mercy, he went to him. The eyes of understanding, he saw that there was a need here. The heart of love, moved with compassion. And the hands of caring. So that's what we should be like if we, and that's what God changes us to, that this is showing indeed that God lives because it's God working through us. It's God's love that actually takes us over to that person in need. It's not our own love or our mm. self-interest. It is because we see them through different eyes. We see them yeah. through God's eyes. Yeah, yeah. In other words, we uh, we are called uh, called to be compassionate people. You know, to, to me, this actually sets up. You know, what a different world we'd actually be dealing with uh, if, in fact, we had a, a situation where uh, compassion reigned supreme. Oh, definitely. I mean, what a world it would be. And one day we're going to have a world like that, you know, where there'll be none of this happening. Can I just leave with um, uh, a couple of texts here? Uh, uh, and it's found in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. That's what you're talking about yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. Now, we're not saved by good works. Don't get us wrong. This this different subject altogether. We are done because we are care and we're compassionate. We're not doing it to be saved, to have the eternal life. We're doing it because we love that person. Yeah. And that's yeah. so strong. Yeah. And the other one is that it proves you belong to Christ, Romans 7, 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So serving is a way to serve God by serving around in the community. And And that's always been my philosophy. When I was a literature evangelist, I wasn't working for the publishing company. I wasn't working for the church. I was working for God, and I was serving the people. And I'm interested, you didn't even say there, I was working for myself, because it's very easy to sometimes say, you know, this is my business, I'm working for myself. But mm-hmm. uh, someone's actually said to me over the weekend, you know, as, as Christians, we've been called uh, to all be ministers for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We, might, uh, we might earn our income uh, by uh, maybe teaching or nursing or, uh, you know, whatever occupation we've actually chosen. We've earned, we, we, we get our crust through doing that. Uh, but we are all ministers 
for Jesus Christ. You know, to me, it really, it really sets us up, uh, as, uh, somebody who is, is important. Someone who's been given uh, a missionary assignment. Uh, somebody who, uh, can make a difference in our world. And you know, as I look at that, I just simply say, hey, I thank God that He's called us with such a incredibly high calling. Amen. And I think that, you know, this story here, this account, isn't just about the leaders of the church. Yeah. They are, yeah. It's actually all of us. It's talking about all of us here. Yeah. What, well, I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. Are we here to save ourselves or are we to spread the good news to others yeah. through the acts of love and kindness and mercy and grace? Indeed. Indeed. Put yeah, through no. by the law. That's powerful. That's powerful. Eric, look, I'm just wondering, how would you like to pray? Maybe there's somebody out there because I, I, I know people certainly contact me from time to time and, you know, say, hey, look, you know, can we, can we pray? Can we pray together? Would you like to just pray for someone who may be struggling uh, right, uh, right now? It may be financially, maybe in some relationship, maybe with some health problem. Would you just pray for them sure. and uh, as we as we conclude our program? Sure. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. We thank you that we have a God who loves each one of us, sees us all equal, Lord. No matter what we've done wrong, Lord, you will accept us just as we are. And then we change. You change us, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the tremendous love you give us for others, Lord, and we pray that you'll forgive us, Lord, when we don't help others as we should. And tonight, Lord, if there's somebody struggling out here, whatever the, the reason is, Lord, I pray that you will just be with them tonight. I pray that you will answer their prayers, that you will be close to them, Lord, that they might turn to you in their hour of need and see you as the source of, of all comfort. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that you're never changing. Thank you that we stand on the word of God, that we have a firm foundation in a dying world. And we just pray, Lord, that many will come to you because, Lord, you are the great creator. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing uh, with uh, Pastor David Butcher. I really look forward to uh, seeing you, but until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 